Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Hey guys, welcome back to the Twilight Zone series here on the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. Uh, I'm back with uh, co-host Eric Cummings. Thank you, thank you. Um, we are now on episode number seven of the Twilight Zone, The Lonely. Eric. One of the worst ones so far. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, the episode number true. seven, The Lonely. It kind of is. Uh, the original air date was November 13th, 1959, and it was directed by Jack Smite. And the writing credits, as always, are uh, Rod Serling and created and uncredited Rod Serling for writing and creating. You know, real quick. Yes, sir. You wonder what he could do in today's age if he was still around Uh, or or if he would have been here. That'd be interesting. Taking his perspective of what he did from the 50s to when he died to, let's say, 2010 to... 2040. Yeah, 50. like we said, he was way ahead of his time. Right, I think we said episode. that in the previous episode. Right. Uh, but I just wonder, how, you know, knowing what his what, mind, knowing what we know now about we've been to the moon, you know, how far they made advances in medical and science and all that. Where would his mind have taken him now? You right. Know, in the future, the stuff that would come true, basically. Right. Yeah, that'd be so. interesting to see. Um, Rod Serling, uh, obviously the narrator, Jack Warden. Man. Sorry, I don't know what that was. Eric, turn your phone off. <laughs> oh, that was you. <laughs> that was mine. Actually. Jack Warden played James A. Corey in this episode. Uh, John Denner played Captain Allenby. And Jean Marsh played uh, Alicia, the robot, as they call her in the episode. They right. don't call her a robot. I, they call her a robot. I think she's been in a lot of stuff, if Has I she, remember right. I don't, I don't, I'm not real familiar. I, up, I know but... she looked like Morticia Adams to me in the... <laughs> well, let me look that up in, real quick. in the episode. Um, 
the synopsis real quick is a convict that has been sent to an asteroid 9 million miles from Earth gets sent a female robotic or robotic robot uh, <laughs> companion. Um, there's a um, uh, man, it's just interesting that what, what they say it takes four and a half years. Was it four and a half years each time that the, he gets supply sent or something? Oh, uh, yeah. It was like, sorry. <laughs> like, did they say it was like four and a half years to get him supplies each uh, two I and a half or something? Uh, the episode they said it was um, they went four times a year to give him supplies. This but if particular it's, a, but rocket. If it's nine million like, miles from Earth. Yeah, I think they allude in the episode that they are traveling to different asteroids. They sort of make a, a circle around uh, different asteroids. and Jane Marsh. Yes. She was in Willow. She was the queen. Okay. The queen in Willow. She was in Return to Oz. Um, I knew I knew. I just saw her in something because I watch Willow all the time. Um, and then she was in a lot of other, other movies. But I, I know Willow is definitely – she was in 9 to 5. Oh, the movie with Dolly No, Martin? I think it was, it was the, the show. The show? Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely in Willow, one of my favorite movies. So, all right. So, anyway, the, yeah, they, from what I took from the episode, they travel around. And this is sort of mm-hmm. like – uh, you know, solitary confinement, except you're on an asteroid or a planet type deal. Did they say what his crime was? He had committed. Well, he says um, he, when I say he, he, the character James Corey, he's the one. He's convicted of murder, but he says he murders in self defense. Right. And so, but he's there, yes, because he uh, he's been convicted of murder, and so he's in isolation. Again, a theme, a running theme throughout all the Twilight Zones. He's by himself on this planet, and he only sees. Uh, a human every four months or so. Right. When these uh, drops come, supplies drop, come. Supply drops come, yeah. And he gets really excited when they when somebody comes to Yeah, and they only, they mention they only have 15 minutes in between stops, so they don't have a lot of time. And he he's begging them, the Corey is begging these three men to stay and like play checkers with them yeah, or do something. I think they have checkers, a game set up that they yeah, can play and, and, they and, move and they're like, no, we have to, we have to go. We only have a certain amount of time for stops. He also alludes. He also talks about in the beginning of the episode. They give him. I, I guess it must have been a previous drop, where they give him all these car parts, and he has all this time on his hands. Corey, speaking of Corey, he has all this time on his hands because he's by himself on this asteroid slash planet, and he's going to put this. He assembles the car mm-hmm. uh, with from all the car parts that they drop for him, and that sort of occupies his time. Right. And you see him sitting in the car at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, in the very beginning, he's sitting in the car. You know, he's he's done. He's completed that project, and he's sort of bored and and doesn't know what to do with his time. And uh, you know, the one guy's like, um, he's like, look, he's like, I'm just I'm just so lonely out here. And he's like, well, you know, he's like, I know you're you're out here, and he's like, uh, but I got something special for you. He's like, uh, you know, I have to go back to the ship and get it or whatever, and we'll have the guys bring it out here. Um, he's like, well, won't, won't you stay? He's like, I, you know, uh, he's like, you know, we only got 15 minutes or whatever. So, uh, he, does he send the crew back to go get it or does he go get it? I can't remember. Send the crew back to get what? The, the box. The, the box. I think the crew members actually get sent to bring the box up and they don't, you know, they don't know what's in it. He right. doesn't know. Uh, Corey doesn't know what's the, in the, it. The, 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 the commander or captain of the, the pilot, I guess. Right. He knows what's in there. Um, yeah, and he leaves it. And um, Corey then, you know, after they leave, he uh, unloads the box and he realizes it's a robot woman. 
<laughs> and he reads the instructions, and the robot's name is Alicia. It's a female. So now he has companionship um, of, <laughs> of some sort because he, he's really skeptical at the beginning. He doesn't believe that, you know, they, he kind of thinks these guys just left this inanimate robot to sort of torment him and remind him of the fact that he's all alone. And But really, it ends up, she becomes like a companion. Like his wife, I guess. Yeah, I guess like a wife, a robot wife uh, yeah. for him. And, uh, but then so that, again, how, how, how far in advance was Rod Serling to come up with something like right, that? Right, even you to have I mean? an idea. Uh, like I'm sure they had uh, primitive forms of robotics maybe in the, in the 50s, but, but nothing like, yeah. I mean, you're talking about... It reminded me of that movie, uh, Ex Machina. Yeah, Ex Machnia. Machnia, I can't. Yeah. Uh, or uh, iRobot. You yeah. know, just, 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 but, but what's, what's interesting about this is they're actually coming up with that stuff in real life now. Like, yeah, you yeah. see the people like moving AI boxes and, all and that stuff. jumping and catching boxes. You can throw stuff at them and all that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, he's like, you're just a robot. You're not real. And, you know, and then you see her, then she give like that little tear come down her face or something. And, yeah. Uh, he, he's really right. He's pretty cruel to he's her really at mean, the beginning. Yeah. And he doesn't think she has emotions or anything like that because she's a robot, but apparently she is a robot that can feel pain and has emotions and right. I guess maybe even feel love and affection or whatever. So And hatred and all that. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, their bonds, they eventually come around where he, they're, they're bonding pretty well now. And yep. um, so the... Um, the time for the uh, general to come back. Right, right. They're, they're the time of, that elapses, and they they play games together. They go on walks. You know, their 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 friendship or their relationship, as weird as it is, grows and develops. And they come. They see from the skyline the rocket that's going to bring the supplies again. And they mention to each other, "Oh, well, that'll that'll be here tomorrow." Um, and so the scene cuts away, and like Jimbo said, the three guys—they're uh, so excited that they're, they're running to him. You're right. like, "What's going on?" He's like, "You don't understand." He's like, "You've been pardoned." Right. And he's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. His conviction of murder was overturned, and he's been given a full pardon. Uh, but there's only there's a catch. They only have uh, 15 so pounds weight of weight that yeah. they can load into the rocket ship, and so it's basically just. Um, Corey and what little supplies he has like a notebook and pencil or whatever and but he says what about alicia you know he, he sort of assumes that alicia's gonna go with him yeah I'll, I'll tell her and we're gonna load up and we'll be out of here in you know five minutes or whatever right. and they're like no no she can't come with you and, and it crushes him dude. yeah it crushes him because you know this is like a real a real relationship now in air quotes i guess and uh so, you know, they spend the time explaining that to him. And then the craziest part is the, the captain or the general, he pulls out his pistol from the holster and he just blows Alicia's face <laughs> off, which is kind of strange. But I, know, I was like, I was like, wow. Yeah, I was like, OK, so um, I think he gets to the point where he thinks that she's actually real. Right. And um, that's. They sent a real woman and not a robotic woman, yeah. you know, because they, that's how close they grew. Right. He, he tells him, she's not a robot. She's not a real, she's not a robot. She's real. And then he even tries, you know, uh, telling the, the general or whatever that he's committed murder by killing, you know, this robot woman. 
And then you see her laying there and And then they <laughs> run away and they try to catch Corey. Um Oh, this is the part where he shoots her in the face and yeah. Corey's just completely devastated and it was sorta of to send a message to Corey, like, Look, she's not real. Um, it's all behind you now. Let, let's go back to Earth and go home. And yeah. it'll just be like it's all a dream. And you you know, everything that happened here on this um, asteroid asteroid or planet or whatever is just gonna be a dream. And then it cuts away uh, to a, a desolate um, wasteland, I guess. Yeah, I guess like a wasteland of uh, of the. And you would see, and Rod Sterling coming on and giving us thing. You right, know, it's just a figment the of the end. imagination. You know, what's real is not necessarily real, and all that. Right. Any fun facts? About uh, a couple, this particular just a couple. Episode? Uh, the episode takes place from uh, twenty forty six to twenty forty seven. Oh, so not too far in the future from us. So. Did they mention that in the episode? Uh, or, or is... I mean, I don't think they mentioned that anywhere. Uh, like the time frame. I don't know. I might have missed it. I'm not sure. Uh, Ted Knight makes an uncredited appearance as Captain Allenby's crew member Adams, uh, which we've discovered Ted Knight's been in a lot of in stuff. Lot of Caddyshack. And, yeah. um, and this is the first of many Twilight Zones uh, episodes, um, including uh, I Shot an Arrow into the Air, The Twilight Zone 100 Yards Over the Rim, uh, The Rip Van Winkle Caper, to be filmed on location in Death Valley, Unprepared for the next terrible conditions they would face, the crew suffered extreme dehydration and heat exhaustion, and director of photography George T. Clemens even collapsed, oh. falling from a camera crane while filming continued. That, that's really, uh, that makes sense, because in most of the scenes, on the close-up shots especially, you can see sweat like pouring oh, off yeah. of their faces, so obviously you know, they were it was in very torture, hot. Right? <laughs> and, just, uh, and you know, back then filming was pretty expensive, so when the guy just passed out, the director, and they just kept filming, kept going. Kept going. You know what I mean? So, well, there you have it. Like I said, these are short and sweet, but they definitely are definitely need to be watched at least once. Uh, Yes, worth a watch. They're way ahead of their time. This Um, one wasn't as good as many of the other ones, but now the next one, yeah, it's probably one of it's probably in my top five. Burgess Meredith, all time, yeah, right. Um, What was it? Time enough at last. Yeah, one of my favorites. So, well, with that being said, I think this episode's coming to close, and that's wrap. And go ahead, take it away. Cut. Attaboy.